for anyone that's an agency owner listening, no matter the volume of clients that you have, I really believe that everyone should still feel really valued and supported. And so for me, having key performance indicators, spreadsheets that we share with clients were a very important value and just metric to be able to share to clients. Welcome to the Happy Clients Podcast, brought to you by Dot and Company. Whether you're a virtual assistant, an agency owner, or a client-facing account manager, we all deal with clients. Lucky for you, client management is what we do best. Now, let's dig in, chat cam life, and have some fun along the way. Cheers to Happy Clients. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Liz. We're really excited. You and Katie had worked together, what was it, like a year and a half ago? And since we launched the podcast, you've been on our list of people we wanted to have on. So we're so excited to have you and to learn about your background and of course, give our audience some really great insights into your world. So why don't you start and just kind of introduce yourself, tell us how you got here and what you are all about. Yeah, well, thank you, Taylor and Katie so much for inviting me onto the show. I'm privileged to be here and happy to be sharing this conversation with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm Liz Bohr. I own a marketing agency. We are strictly uh, done for you services. So we offer full service spectrum from Facebook ads, Facebook and Instagram ads and uh, conversion copy. So my primary target are online business owners that have a course or digital product of some sort, and we help them to launch and and scale their online programs using smart and savvy marketing strategies and our done for you services allow them to really release that burden of figuring out what their marketing strategy, launch strategy needs to be in order to hit their revenue goals. And we, you know, help them with that. So that's our our primary targets. Long story short of my background, I started in corporates working for some large companies, agencies of record for companies like Ford Motor Company. I worked very closely with helping Stitch Fix to release some of their men's line and their kids line at the time. That's a few years ago now, but so I got my start on the agency side and then I moved over to selling ad tech with companies like Hulu and some startup companies in Southern California when I was there too. Wow. Awesome. And Liz, I always ask this question, but like, how did you go from corporate to business owner? What was that step like? Because we do have, of course, agencies that are listening and maybe even people trying to kind of get there. So how did you go from corporate Liz to entrepreneur Liz? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and a little bit of a windy road. I wasn't really, entrepreneurship wasn't really ever something that was on the horizon for me. I grew up in the Midwest, so it was very like traditional, go to school, get your job, like rise the corporate ladder, you know, get a title that made you look really great. (laughs) So that was like my path for, you know, the first few years after I graduated college and I, you know, exceeded in, in that realm. I also fell in love with a pilot who's also in the military, which means that we move every three years. So my husband is still active um, duty in the Marine Corps. And since we move every so often, 
looking at moving from Southern California to on the East Coast now. We live in like a much smaller town than California had to offer job-wise. And for me, I started looking at not only moving, but also like what I wanted my life to look like when he was not able to, you know, be around. Did I want to be tied to a lifestyle where I couldn't travel and, you know, or go see family and friends while he was not in town or overseas or or something like that. So entrepreneurship really came about as something more of like a a lifestyle and uh, personal and professional freedom that I was kind of looking for and entrepreneurship and, you know, being a business owner kind of allows you to do that. And thankfully for me, I had experience in the online world, helping, you know, companies to bring their brand online and build their brand awareness and sell products online, which means I can work from a laptop pretty much, you know, anywhere. So that's kind of where it started. The transition was a little bit hard. I think for me, it was more of a mindset thing of transitioning from this title that I had at the company that I was working for, I started the the business on the side because I had the opportunity to work with a company in a consulting role as they were rebranding and doing some revamping for for their online company. And so that's kind of how it started. But for me, it was really a mindset shift that I needed to have in order to be able to excel as a, as a business owner and move away from the corporate version of myself. And I talk a lot about identity and I think it was an identity that I needed to release and one that I'm still learning to remove myself from because our identities, as you guys know, aren't really tied to who we are as business owners or what we can do, how much money we can make. You know, it's more about our personal values and the mission and, you know, how we want to be the human we want to be first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's like an accidental business owner. (laughs) I feel like that can very similar to me. Like I ran away from the corporate life and then just obviously like you just chase what, like the lifestyle and then you just end up here. (laughs) It's like, how did this happen? Well, you know, you're, you're following what your life goals are, what your lifestyle mm-hmm. goals are. So I love that. Yeah. And so many great takeaways, just like flexibility and Taylor and I always struggle sometimes. Like that doesn't mean you're not working all day long. It means you're working all day long and all night long, but you can go to go out with your mom for lunch and you don't have to really notify anybody. And, and I can go when it's not COVID, I can go to Christmas concerts and, and, you know, things in the middle of the day that are really special. So I love that that was like your calling. Cause I feel like that, or that you were experiencing that. Cause I do feel like a lot of people are also there, but don't have the kind of gusto to, to start a business, but you can do it. Promise. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so too. And for anyone that's looking to maybe start a business or has some sort of passion, I started on the side, like you don't have to go all in one or the other. You can just start small and see, you know, how it goes and just try to follow your gut. And I think for a lot of us that will help guide us without having to feel the burden of like, oh, I'm going to start this business and has to be super successful on day one, or, you know, I'm going to start this thing. There's kind of a heavy weight that initially you could feel, especially in the world we're living in today when entrepreneurship or, 
you know, being a business owner has kind of become a little bit more of like a trend, quote unquote, that like it's a qualifier for like being cool or gain more credibility with your friends or something like that. But I think, you know, just kind of getting started and, and seeing where it takes you. Yeah. The perfect segue to me and Liz working together. And that's when I clued in that this is a really smart and really talented person to have in our roster. So with kind of your clients and working with different sort of, I guess, small business, I guess we could even start there. Like who is your main client, Liz? Who are you sort of working with? Yeah. My main clients are female entrepreneurs primarily. I do have a few uh, male business owners, but those people are mostly targeting female. So we, we help primarily female business owners only because they're mostly targeting, you know, women between the ages of 22 to, you know, 54. That's really our sweet spot. We um, have really honed in on how to market to that age group females 22 to 54 and primarily online businesses. So as I mentioned before, we are helping course creators, consultants, freelancers, uh, people that own a digital product of some sort. Most of my clients don't have a brick and mortar business. However, some do have a brick and mortar that they then offer a digital shop uh, like a template shop or, you know, something like that, where they're offering some online product that can be sold and we help them to create marketing strategies and really bring their, their course program membership mastermind to others and learn how to, how to sell it, set up systems, funnels, and support that with Facebook ads. Cause as you guys know, it's a great way to grow your brand awareness and also uh, to convert, build your email list, convert people into, into buyers. So we help support them in setting up those types of campaigns as well. That's awesome. Why do people come to you? Why do they need you, Liz? Are they just starting out? Do they kind of need sort of a start or are they successful and they want to grow or why are people coming to you, Liz? Yeah, it's a good question, Katie. So we help people that are just starting out. So launching their programs for the very first time that need a new strategy. So they've never launched this thing before. They have no idea. It's an amazing product, but they just aren't sure how to um, launch their program. They're not sure how to attract the right people, get them to consume that content, to want to buy the product. So those people are like brand new. They kind of need everything, landing pages, sales pages. They need Facebook ad support, but we also work with people that have a proven funnel that just want to scale it. People that maybe have launched one or two times have had mediocre or some success, but they're really looking to grow and scale to that next level. So we help them to implement strategies to, you know, help them to, to get to that next place of success for them. I love that. And I'm sure that, you know, there's quite a big difference within the client's confidence when they haven't launched and they don't know what these numbers look like to people who've been here, they've been around the block and they know what they're looking for. So a big thing I want to talk about with you, Liz, is what are the numbers that you're looking for when it comes to growing people's online businesses and how do you communicate those to your customers? Yeah. So you definitely get two different mindsets, two different perspectives from people when they're just starting something for the very first time. 
as anyone would be, you're a little bit more timid, you know, maybe a little bit more skeptical that it's going to work, but that's kind of where, you know, some of those case studies or or proven strategies that we share with them come into play. But the good thing is, is that with an online business, a lot of the opportunity comes with testing. So we have to put something out there. We have to have a strategy, really commit to it. And, and then, you know, be able to flex as we are launching the program or, you know, flex for from course launch one to course launch two, so that we can see what's working and see what's not working. And as you mentioned, Taylor, it really comes down to looking at those metrics so that we can really understand is something working or did that completely flop, but we feel like it worked, but maybe it was not as successful as we thought it was. Right. So for me, a lot of those numbers come down to how many people we need to first fill up their funnel. Because for for my clients, they're launching through a webinar or they're using a pop-up Facebook group or some sort of video training to first attract their potential buyers that they want to then go and sell their program to. But first we have to provide some value, educate our audience before we can sell them to make sure that they're the right people to to buy from us. And really that comes down to the numbers. How many people do we need to see our content, give value to in order to hit our revenue goals? So we look at things using a spreadsheet that uh, my clients and I both have access to. So that really helps to help everyone visually see not only what are the expectations, we always start with a strategy call, setting those expectations based on budget parameters and revenue goals. So what are those things that we can expect? What are the numbers that we need to hit in order to hopefully reach our revenue goals? And then as we go, how are we doing? We're going to track our metrics and measure as we go in order to know if something is working or if we need to adjust the strategy to, to try and hit those revenue numbers or exceed them. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I can imagine this is like a really, obviously the crucialist, if that's a word, but so important to really be in these numbers, especially with a new sort of launch or something happening that you don't have any kind of existing data on. So setting clients up in a way that is totally transparent, I think is really smart. That's awesome. Especially where people are really invested in a way of usually these are probably bigger ticket items and, you know, they're working their heart and soul just to kind of push this forward. So I think that's a really great first move, just being like totally transparent and letting the clients know kind of what you're doing and how you're pivoting and when you're pivoting and why I'm sure that's really helpful. And I'm sure clients really appreciate that for sure. Yeah, it's It's something that I wanted to make sure that the agency, whether myself was walking them through these numbers, or if a teammate was walking them through these numbers, that the client felt really supported. Because if I were to think about myself as the client, I want to think about the experience that I would want from someone that I was paying for this type of service. And someone providing those numbers to me is 100% a metric of success that I would want to know so that as the paying customer, I can feel really confident in the person that I hired 
that they are watching the metrics, that they are paying attention, that I'm just not another client to them. And no matter the, the volume of clients, you know, for anyone that's an agency owner listening, no matter the volume of clients that you have, I really believe that everyone should still feel really valued and supported. And so for me, having those key performance indicators, those spreadsheets that we share with clients were a very important um, value and just metric to be able to share to clients. And as I'm learning, not everybody shares those, which like blows my mind. It baffles me that metrics are not always shared. So for me, like, I guess a good and a bad, it's a differentiator for for my business, but I do think it's something that everyone should be providing, but is not always a, a standard, apparently, as I'm learning from clients that come to us and have conversations about working together and share past experiences with other people. But yeah, I do think that that value was really important because it was something that I would want if I were a paying customer. And so I just believe in providing the same level of value and service to my clients if they're going to be paying paying me in the, in the business to help them. What a great way to even run a business, right? Just with that sort of mantra and that thinking how you would want to be treated. Yeah. I want to talk about like specific numbers too. So like when we're talking about coaches and online programs, what kind of conversion rates are you seeing these days when it comes to like top of funnel, bottom of funnel, just like a quick overview and maybe some things where you would pivot if you saw kind of a red flag? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a very to be determined (laughs) outside of like using standard industry metrics for you know, how many people should be converting on a opt-in page versus a sales page. It very depends on so many Mm -hmm. things because traffic depends on where your traffic source is coming from, how quality that traffic is. But if we were to just break down, let's look at some industry standards to say, okay, if we were to look at an opt-in page, which is just, I'm providing a lead magnet, a free resource for someone to give me their name and email address, average industry average is around 20 to 30%. So if your opt-in landing page is converting at that rate, I would say that's about average. My clients, I like to see 50 to 60% because that means our our traffic is, is that much more higher quality and our landing page is informing the visitors that much better because they're, you know, converting at that higher rate. If you're converting at that rate, like don't touch anything. You're, you're doing great. Just keep driving more and more and more and more and more traffic to that page because it's obviously converting really well. As you move further down the funnel, so middle of funnel, these are like warm traffic people that's your inviting to, let's say a webinar or a a training that's like a little bit more intimate. If you think about your funnel, you also could just want to think about cold traffic, like people that have zero awareness of you. Those people are at the very top. So those people you're inviting to a free resource because the risk for them to give you their name and email address is super low, right? So those people are going to get on your email list because it's super low, it's free, it's easy for them to do that. They don't really have to know a lot about you. 
Then as you move further down the funnel, let's say we're inviting them to a webinar, and then in, you know, if we're inviting them to a sales page, you can expect your conversion rate numbers to drop because we are, we are bringing less and less people to those pages. If you think about the volume of people that you want to go to your landing page versus the volume of people that are going to go to a sales page, although we ideally, when it's fully optimized, get the same number, when we think about a funnel, we want our very most highly qualified people to get to our sales page because those people are, we want them to purchase right away. We don't, we don't want them to linger, think about it, be on the fencers. We want them to just see what's available for them and, you know, purchase right then and there. So if you think about, let's say a webinar, you know, you might convert a uh, live webinar where you're showing up live, similar to, you know, how we are recording this podcast right now. We're all here actively recording this right now. That's considered a live webinar. Those would convert higher than a pre-recorded webinar. Pre-recorded webinar, you might expect similar to your email list might convert around two to 3% where a webinar, a live webinar, you know, we want to see converting a little bit higher around like four to 6%. So that's, you know, why it's so important to work backwards when we're looking at how many people do we need on our webinar in order to hit, you know, our revenue goals if we can expect people to convert at, let's say 5%. Okay, now we know how many people we need on our webinar. If our sales page is only converting at 2%, well, then we need that much more people to consume our webinar content or get to our landing page in order to make those same sales numbers. Cool. That's super insightful. And so with your clients, are you controlling the entire funnel from landing pages, all the copy imagery and everything like that? It really depends on the package that the client chooses. So we do have options for, it's called our dynamite sales package. That includes everything from Facebook and Instagram ad support to writing all of the email sales funnel copy, landing page copy, pretty much the whole gamut. Although we do have, so that's like our, our most robust package. We also have more siloed packages that include just writing the emails or just writing a sales page for people that don't need, you know, everything. If someone has already launched previously, they may not need a brand new sales page. They may just need some tweaks and some of the copy to be rewritten to be more attractive to their audience to get those, you know, sales page conversion rates up. So it really just depends on the client and what what numbers they need to hit and how they want to be supported for the next launch. Love that. What a smart, smart business owner. (laughs) Um, We're all just trying to do what we can, right? (laughs) One last question for you, Liz. So obviously we work with a number of different agencies and our role is communicating all of this to clients. So any tips for agency owners or client-facing account managers on how to really communicate numbers in a way, obviously we've talked about this, but communicate numbers in a way that really give confidence to the customer and make them feel like, you know, what you're talking about? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's, it's a tough one too, because 
every client is going to have different personalities and different levels of understanding of those metrics and also the, the service that you're supporting with them with. And I think the more that you can explain things like what terms you're using. So I have a tab at the beginning of every spreadsheet that I share that gives, you know, kind of a dictionary of terms. So it's the terms to know that are represented in this spreadsheet. So they can go back, have that as a frame of reference to say, okay, I forget what CTR means. Let me go back to this terms to know. Oh, that's click-through rate. So now I know what click-through rate is and what it means. Here's your industry uh, benchmark. So now I can go back to those metrics and understand, okay, is this metric performing well? Is it performing below average or is it performing above average? So I think the more you can help them to understand level set industry averages, but then also if they have launched you know, a product or something in the past, Make sure you're also taking into account their own benchmarks as well and start to use those as the, the standards because a lot of times we want to start competing against ourselves. If you're going to be exceeding industry benchmarks, last time you hit a 50% conversion rate and then the next time you launch you're only at 30%, well, industry benchmark says that's good, but to you, that's not so good, right? Mm. So make sure, making sure that we're competing against ourselves. You can do things like create a quick Loom video that just will screen share for your client to help them to understand here, you know, follow this report. I'm going to walk you through how you should be reading it and just doing little, little things like that so that the client really understands what you are sharing them. And then if you're going to be working with them long-term, helping them to understand maybe what other clients are doing in the same realm. So if other clients that you have are targeting people that they're looking to go after, just make sure that you are showing them, oh, here's another you know, audience that this is working well for another client of mine. It might work really well for you too, if you want to try to, you know, go after that same audience or tweak your messaging in this way, because my other client did this and it performed really well for them, you know? So trying to cultivate a community of your clients so that they feel like they're getting something extra from, you know, working with you, from hiring you rather than just working with someone that only works with maybe one or two clients a year, you have that added bonus of working with other people, getting more experience for, for a client because they're working with you. Great tips. Great tips. Awesome. Well, Liz, thank you so much. This was a really, really great chat. I learned a lot and I'm sure our audience will as well. So tell us where we can find you, your website, your agency name, your podcast, and We'll link it up as well. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Taylor and Katie. I mostly hang out on Instagram. Um, on Instagram, I am at Lizbor, L-I-Z-B-O-E-R underscore com, C-O-M. My website is lizbor.com. You can find out more about me, the agency, and how we support clients. The agency name is actually EMB Media Group. So empower and build EMB for short, but everything kind of falls under lizboard.com right now. My podcast is Marketing to Millions. So if you're interested in, in marketing strategies for 
online businesses. We chat all about all the things over there. So I would love to have you come check us out and yeah, give me a shout if you have any questions. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. Can't wait to have you on again. But this was fun. I think even bringing your expertise to to the table is a little bit of a different perspective. So we certainly appreciate that. And yeah, you rocked it. Good job. Yeah, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Until next time, cheers to happy clients.